0: Welcome back to From the Valley. My name is Kaelin Ham. How do we, as Christians, go about walking with the Lord joyfully when we experience pain or suffering or loss? I've titled this episode Jars of Clay because of 2 Corinthians where it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. The following conversation reflects this idea well. Plus, I'm a sucker for a good metaphor. Today, our interview is with someone who's experienced a lot of pain in life, and is still the most joyful woman I've ever met, as you'll find out in the first few seconds of this interview. So, what's her secret? Join me as I ask her just that, today, in Episode 6, Jars of Clay, with our special guest, Valerie Ham. Welcome, Val. Thanks for joining me. You're going to call me Val? (laughs) I know, that's a little weird. It felt weird to (laughs) say that. So, for anyone listening, (laughs) if you can tell... (laughs) was that like super super disrespectful oh dear we've already started this is gonna be a disaster valerie ham is my mom if you couldn't tell from the last names so this is a very special episode because not only do i have this woman across from me who is very wise and she's laughing again and been a mentor in my life uh we're also family so i've known you my entire life. (laughs) So I can't say that for for too many people, but you're one of them. So thanks for joining me. Welcome.
1: Thanks for asking me. This is a privilege, Kaylin. It's very cool to be sitting here in your place of work. Mm. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So uh, just as we kick off, I would love if you could tell us a little bit about who you are. Uh, and what particularly you do here at Sturgeon Valley Baptist Church? Because you're also involved in the ministry here.
1: That's true, I am. So my full name is Valerie Ham, and I have two claims to fame here in this church, and that is I am Kaylin's mom, and I am Dean's wife. And I love that. We have been attending Sturgeon Valley Baptist Church for. Around thirteen years, and have been members here for almost that entire time. I have spent many years as an active member on the deacons' board, and this past year I stepped into the role of deacons' chair.
0: So, what is uh, what is a deacon, and what is this deacons' board?
1: (laughs) What does that mean? That's a very good question. So, we run. A lot of the financial aspect of the church, the programmings, the, how the, the church building is doing, the bills are getting paid, what the finances are doing, and making sure that, um, yeah, just that things are, are looked after, and people are looked after, and uh, supporting the pastors, the staff and the elders in in just about all their roles. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah, we're a very
0: church-run uh, church. Run church. Mm-hmm. So that's very cool that, that you get to be a part of that. And thank you. Thanks for doing that for us. Would you uh, just explain a little bit about how you grew up? Have you always been a Christian? Was Did you have like uh, your rebellious teen years where you're like, no? I don't want to go to church. What did that look like for you? How long have you been walking with Jesus?
1: I, The older I get, the more I realize how blessed I am because Jesus has always been a part of my life. I cannot remember any part or portion of my life where Jesus was not the center And I was baptized when I was 10. My Uncle Nolan baptized me in a swimming pool. It was at a summer camp. And uh, so that was something I took very serious, and I remember it to this day. And as I walked through my teen years, I wouldn't say that I walked away from my faith at all. Did I always make smart choices as a teenager? No. But... In the midst of it all, I knew where my faith was, and I knew that I wanted to honor Christ with all of me, with who I was, where I was going, and my decisions uh, in life. Very cool. It's uh,
0: it's very interesting. I'm so thankful for the legacy of faith that you have provided in our family, and and to see you walking with the Lord through. My entire life is has been very impactful on me, and I know on my sister too. So uh, what a blessing it is to have you as as a mom and as an example. Um, and many people throughout my life of of knowing you <laughs> and being your daughter, have always characterized you as a very joyful person. And I would also, uh, I had one one friend recently who met you and uh, she told me, your mom was just a a love bulldozer. (laughs) And I thought that was the, I've never heard that before, but that was the perfect description of you, the love bulldozer. And you're very joyful and you're very loving, very open as a person. But I've kind of seen a peek behind the curtains and I've gotten to know that this is not because you have a perfect life and as I asked you to come onto the podcast, you were kind of struggling with, oh, what do I say? What do I talk about? And so would you share a little bit kind of about what we discussed uh, in talking about and this, this concept of, of being joyful, but what is your journey with joy? Have you always had this perfect, happy life?
1: Wow. Because you know behind the curtain... That concept of perfect happy is is interesting that you would choose those words. It's been a long journey for me. So just for your listeners, uh, I'll clue them in a little bit on my journey. When I was 21, I was very ill. Um, I was quickly losing my mobility, my organs were shutting down, I was hospitalized and was hooked up to machines, and uh, the machines showed that my heart had possibly, they said been damaged, and yeah, it was a real struggle for my health. And it was a real struggle for me mentally to deal with that because I was a go-getter. I was a hard worker. I had so much energy. Dean would call me the energizer bunny because I just went and I just did. And I just, it was go, go, go. And I was going to climb that corporate ladder as a new wife. I was a partner. I was going out. I was earning my wage and all of a sudden I was sick and it was a real blow not just physically but emotionally and spiritually and mentally I was it was a real blow and at that point I had been seeing specialists and the internal specialist sent me home and said, I will see you in six months, and we'll see from there what you're going to need for treatments, what you're gonna need for help, and so on and so forth. And so six months later, I walked into his office, and I sat down, and he sat down, and he looked at me, and he put his hands on his knees, and he said, I can't believe it. And I was like, what do you mean you can't believe it? He said, you walked into my office, I didn't expect that. Mm. I expected you would be in a wheelchair at the very least or that I would be seeing you in the hospital. And through that 6 months from when I had last seen him our church family had prayed over me. Of course, Dean and I had prayed and then my family. Now my mom has always been my absolute prayer warrior and so it was it was very interesting because I wasn't without pain when I walked in there. But I walked in there. Hmm. And so the, the end diagnosis that they gave me, because they could not figure out what on earth had happened, was that I had fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, with lupus-like symptoms. And those are things and symptoms that have never left from that time. And it's, it's been a life of learning how to deal with pain and fatigue and brain fog. <laughs> and, yeah, it was never really, it's never been an easy journey and never been perfect joy.
0: So this is something, uh, these health problems Since you were 21, has this affected you daily, or is it kind of worse in some seasons? Is it all the time? What does that look like? Because a lot of people don't know, you say fibromyalgia, like
1: what is that? (laughs) Fibromyalgia is pain. It's just pain. Chronic fatigue is pain. Um, Chronic fatigue also hits the organs. Um, Fibromyalgia, pain and brain fog, And it's every day. And I'm trying to think, you said, is there seasons that get worse? I believe so. I believe that it's a disease that kind of cycles. And there are periods where I can hardly get out of bed. And then there are other times where, okay, I'm going to be running and getting strong again because that period of not being able to get out of bed is going to hit again. So I push myself to be physically strong to get through those times where they're really hard.
0: Mm. And on the faith and joy side of things, what did that look like for you when you were first being diagnosed and, and the doctor was saying things like, I didn't expect you to be moving. I expected you to be bedridden. And were you still
1: feeling close with God at that point thankfully I never felt distant from God but I did feel that life was unfair I felt um, I had been newly married and I I just told your dad well that's it you might as well ditch me I'm useless now <laughs> and I Became full of self pity, and my life was all woe, and it was. I was depressed. I was not joyful. <laughs> it, yeah, it was very, very hard. I became envious of people. I was envious of Dean, your dad. He got to go to work. He got to work as hard as he could to get those accolades from other people and work for promotions and work for wage increases. And the doctors told me, that's it, you're staying home, you'll never be working again. And I was stuck at home. I was useless. I could hardly get out of bed. So I was envious of him. And I was envious of my friends because they were healthy and they were whole and they were doing life and they didn't have pain. And I <laughs> I became quite, I don't want to say bitter, but there was a point that if somebody that I knew, a friend, got a cold and they were... Oh, I just feel so sick, and I've got this flu or this cold. I just wanted to say, okay, like, suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> You've got 10 days of this, yeah. and you're going to be strong and whole and healthy again, whereas they've, they've described fibromyalgia pain as like flu aches, those deep aches, you know, where you want to rock yourself back and forth. That is a bit what fibromyalgia feels all the time. Hmm. And I was going to have to learn how to deal with that. And these people were... Bah. Like, so, oh, boo-hoo to you. <laughs> yes. So God really had to work on me. Hmm. And for a period of my life, he kept working on my heart toward people, that heart of compassion. And he gave me lots of verses. One of them was Colossians 3.12, therefore... As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And there are many other verses that told me that I needed to have compassion on people. God had compassion and has compassion on me. And these people who live life without pain are now in pain and they need your encouragement and they need your support, not the uh, suck it up attitude that I wanted to give them.
0: <laughs> hmm. So that that journey of God beginning to work on your heart um, despite the pain, was that Kind of all of a sudden, did you have like this revelation of, oh, I need to love people better or I need to be more joyful? Were there moments like that that you can remember? Or was it more of a gradual growing?
1: I want to say it was gradual. But I also want to say that it was definitely Jesus through his Holy Spirit reaching down into that pit and saying, I'm not leaving you there. And he kept reminding me of who I am in Christ. And it didn't matter what I did. It mattered who I was in Christ. And as the truth of his love became more and more a part of who I was, I was able to rely more on who I am in him than who I am in other people's eyes. Mm. And I absolutely was pride. Absolutely. I just, I wanted to do so much. And I was going places, and now I wasn't. So I had to figure out who I was. And God was like, I'm going to help you know who you are in me and he did Hmm. and he does and he continues
0: (laughs) (laughs) so i think a lot uh a lot in your journey sometimes people hear about the health issues you've had and um they say things like well god has a plan even if you don't understand it uh (laughs) she's rolling her eyes right now guys uh but how do you how did you respond to that sort of thing because i mean in part that that's true we might not understand it but how did you reconcile not necessarily knowing why this was happening to you uh with our good and gracious god and, and his love for you
1: i guess I had to wrap my head around the fact that it wasn't happening to me it wasn't God zapping me with pain it was I live in this world there's illness in this world there's stuff that we're going to have to deal with and so as a Christ follower how am I going to deal with this in a godly way it took me a while <laughs>
0: I couldn't imagine. I mean, we've all got our stuff, but you've got you've got some extra stuff. I think. <laughs> I've got extra stuff. Some extra stuff. Did you ever doubt through any of that that God was good? Never. No. It wasn't even a
1: No. Never. God is always good. The journey's not always fun. The journey's not always easy. But God is always good. Hmm. And I think for me, and my personality and my hope came right from an early age and an early portion of this journey in the fact that I realized. I needed to focus my thoughts on Jesus. I needed to focus my attitude on truth. And the things that I was relying on and that I was believing in, like I am worthless now and I'm useless and I can't even get out of bed and I can't have children, which, by the way, is a miracle sitting in front of me. And all of those things, that wanted to drag me down, that wanted to hold me into that pit. God brought me back to Scripture over and over, and one that I, I said over and over all the time is Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Jesus loves me. Whatever is noble, Jesus loves me. Whatever is right, Jesus died for me. Whatever is pure, Jesus died for me. Whatever is lovely, Jesus raised from the dead. Whatever is admirable, Jesus has gone to heaven to prepare a place for me. For me. And so at that point in my life, it wasn't, think on whatever is lovely. I couldn't look outside. I was laying in my bed. Whatever is lovely. Well, there was not a whole lot of lovely right there. So, I had to direct my thoughts on the truth, and that was Jesus Christ Himself. And I often go back to those verses and think on these things whatever is true, Jesus loves me. And I know that people have a hard time when they're walking a road of grief, or when they've lost work, when their hearts are broken. To find things that are whatever is true. And I get it. And you have to go right back to the heart and let Jesus minister in only the way that he can. And whatever is true. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And when you focus there, so when those thoughts come in, and it's like, Valerie, you are useless. Jesus made me he had a purpose for me and he will guide me well Valerie that was silly to say well whatever is truth and whatever is honest whatever is noble that comes from Christ and so when that self-talk comes in and it's all negative you know it's not from God and you need to grab hold of that thought and then you need to apply the truth of Jesus Christ to it and when you do, those thoughts, they go, and you are filled with the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control.
0: Hmm. That's amazing. So uh, you and I talked a little bit that though your journey has been with a lot of, of physical pain, there are... And you mentioned this a little bit. There are a lot of people who struggle with grief, with job loss, with other kinds of circumstances, with different kinds of physical pain, um, who can very quickly become jaded. I think, and I've struggled with this too. Like when when something happens and it's bad in my life, uh, I my first my first reaction is anger, and I even had this growing up and seeing you struggle, and I was angry you that 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 was happening but what would you say to people who who are going through these journeys but who want to be joyful who want to follow the Lord and you know scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength what does that what does that mean what does that look like practically day to day you mentioned kind of this thinking on things so that the, the act of meditation which is a very practical advice do you have Anything else that you found has been helpful for
1: you? Well there's a lot of questions in that sentence that you were <laughs> sorry I <saying. laughs> tried to go back to to other people that want to live with a spirit of joy when it's hard. Mm-hmm. And you know, this year's been hard for us as a family. Mm. Yourself, myself, and that grief is a different journey. And you hold on to the promises of God that he'll comfort and shelter and protect. That the grief over a, a loss of a loved one in death is a place where Jesus ministers in a special way. And once again, you rest in his care, and everybody's journey through grief is different. <laughs> and every death is different. We've had four, four heart deaths, like just stabbed to the hearts this year, and I know for myself that each one of those, I am journeying differently.
0: Hmm.
1: And loss of a job, that security, that financial security, and you're desperate to find that security somewhere, right? And the heartbreak, a marriage falling apart, a child who chooses to walk away from the Lord, somebody that is sick with cancer, those are a different kind of hard and a different kind of struggle. And as I walk through those, I again take my thoughts captive. Because you can dwell on the hard reality that is around you, that is in the world, or you can look for God's place in that. You can look for his mercies and his grace and his provision and ask him to open your eyes to see it. it. It can be difficult when the reality can be really hard but when you look for Jesus when you seek him he'll be found right in those hard hard times for for example the day my mom died it was covid the hospitals were on covid restrictions there was only supposed to be one of us in the room with my mom And there was two of us that had permission to go in and out. I have two sisters, so there was three of us. And God allowed it to happen that all three of us were in the room with my mom. My mom was lucid and kind and joyful. She thanked the nurses For helping her five minutes before she had died. Hmm. And we were all there when she drew her last breath. And that doesn't happen. (laughs) It was just Mm -hmm. you I mean, you could say, oh, it was coincidence or oh yeah, whatever, it just was an accident. No, God allowed that to happen and He allowed that for my mom. And he allowed that for me and my sisters. So when you're in the midst of hard, hard stuff, and you're taking your thoughts captive, and you're asking God to show where he is in the middle of it, he will reveal himself Mm. in a mighty way. Can I uh, just, just to clarify, what, what do you
0: does it mean to take your thoughts captive? What is that phrase? Because I think Christians use that a lot. Um, but we don't actually talk about what that means. Could you elaborate a little?
1: Sure. <laughs> it's funny because I remember you growing up, and I'm saying, no, Kaylin, don't think that way. <laughs> you could think about it this way. So um, and I, I've also been told, well, you know, you if you're feeling sad, you should just be sad. And if you're feeling this way, and you shouldn't deny it because you should just not deny who you are grasp hold of that and but the bible says that satan's like a roaring lion and he's just looking for ways to take us down and one of the biggest ways is in our thoughts in in our mind and that spiritual battle will take place right there and we buy into those lies and and i said that sort of in the beginning of our talk, how I I was like buying into the lie that I was useless. That is not something from God. Mm-hmm. God didn't make me useless, but my mind was telling me I was. So I had to, when I would think that, I immediately had to apply the truth of Jesus to it. So when you have those thoughts come into your mind that are not of him and You'll know if it's of him. because you just will. <laughs> don't don't you just don't buy don't buy into the lie that, you know, I don't make enough money, therefore, I'm worthless. That's not of God. So when you say to take those thoughts captive, it's like recognize that that thought is not Christ driven. It's not God-given. It's of this world. It's Mm -hmm. of this society. And don't invite it in to have a tea. I've done this. When I know that I am in a bad mental place, I will plan the funeral for a loved one, particularly for Dean. If I am in a state of worry and anxiety and I'm worried about him, I will literally plan his funeral. And when I start planning his funeral now I have to stop cuz I know that's not of God. Worry is not of God. Anx- anxiety over him dying is not not how God has asked me to live my life. And so I have to stop. I have to say no and I have to redirect my thoughts onto things that are of God, things that are lovely, things that are noble, Things that are above reproach. I have two beautiful grandbabies. That's easy to think on, and two beautiful daughters, Mom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just chop liver now. <laughs> so, would you say that uh, that that's really where your joy stems from? Is this reflection as you look to Christ and and what He's done for you and who you are in Him? That's that's how people perceive you as being joyful and and uplifting. And I don't know, everyone wants to talk to you. And we go, guys, we go to the grocery store and like the cashier will just tell my mom their entire life story. Like we're trying to pick up like one thing and we're there for 20 minutes because she's ministering to this random person who she didn't even say anything. They just start pouring out their life story to you. You just, you have such a vibrancy of Christ about you. And I think people see that. Thank you. So is that where it comes from? Would you say? It's absolutely
1: Christ-driven, Christ-driven. And as hard as the journey of pain has been, it has drawn me closer and closer in relationship to Jesus. I abide and I live and I breathe because of him. Hmm. And when you take that time and I had a lot of time laying there, to go over the promises of Christ and to live in that reality of who you are in Jesus Christ, there's a deep peace and contentment that comes about. And when you pour over the scriptures and allow them to become where your mind meditates on then it overflows and you just can't help but be joyful Mm. well thank you
0: thank you for being willing to come in i know you don't love to talk about your own journey because uh you more you just love to talk about Jesus, <laughs> so I appreciate that you'd you'd be willing to be vulnerable and and do a little bit of both. Uh, do you have anything any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with people?
1: Oh, I'm sure there's something I could think about. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the things I find the most frustrating of my diagnosis is this. Thing called brain fog and so I can be sitting holding a conversation with someone and not hear what they're saying I can hear their words but it just does, doesn't lodge <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> lodge right in there and then afterwards I go oh so that's another way that I rely on Jesus Christ because sometimes I don't even know What I'm responding, but I'm responding. Hmm. And it's because of meditating on the word, it comes from the heart. And you don't even know, but Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit flows through those words. And so if I could encourage anyone that's struggling with health, struggling with grief, struggling with pain be it heartache, be it broken marriages, be it struggles at school, I would ask you just to grab hold of the promise of Jesus Christ and all he has for you and then to think on these things. Go to that verse in Philippians 4.8 and write out and that heart of gratitude and even if it is just like where my journey started, Jesus is truth. Jesus is noble. And when it starts there, and let that sink in and meditate on that and let your mind be transformed by that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for coming to talk and to share. Thanks, Kaylin. It's been good.
0: (laughs) And we, uh, I hope that, You have a joyful rest of your day. I will. You too. From the Valley is a Sturgeon Valley Baptist Church production. Join us in person or online every Sunday at 10 a.m. If you're struggling with pain, loss, or grief, we want you here. Don't struggle alone anymore. My name is Kaylin Hamm.
1: Thanks for listening.